Audi. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. My guest today has a show on talk radio with the lovely Catherine Boyle, a.k.a. Flipping Kath. They go on tour, they podcast. He has a TV show recorded from his bedroom and he's a proper cult figure in radio. Travel-wise, he's eaten camel brains and a pig's vagina in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here in the Australian Jungle, been caught in gunfire in Pakistan and wandered the souks of Marrakesh accompanied by the world's biggest roll of sellotape. I'm delighted. Delighted to have Ian Lee on the Big Travel Podcast. Hey, nice to meet you at last. Really nice to meet you. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've, we've been talking. We've been long time tweeters. Yes. And now yeah. we are physical greeters. I think it was actually even pre Twitter. I think I used to email you back in the day. Oh, when do you, you know, that would Virgin. make sense. Because, yeah, when I was in Virgin was when. Twitter started because I remember my producer Davis came in one day and said I've got this new thing he found this thing called Twitter and I thought we could use it on the show and I went no because I didn't really get on with him and so every time I suggested an idea he would go no and every so every time he suggested an idea I'd go no and he showed me this Twitter and it was basic and it was rubbish I went no no not interested no we're not doing it we're not it's Twitter but you have a love-hate relationship with it don't you it's hate hate I hate it it's awful it's I tell you why it's awful people are horrible on there but then there are some nice people Oh, it's like taking drugs. It's like taking drugs. It's, it's you, you know, I used to, I used to I'm a drug addict. I used to take a lot of cocaine, and I don't now, thank God. But it's just, you'd always just go, I just have one more line. I'm just going to have one. Even though you've, you've been puking up, and you've got the sweat, and uh, let me just do one more line, and then I'm going to go to bed. And it's like that with Twitter. It's like, let me just, let me just do one more tweet. And then I always end up having to clarify a tweet because someone's been offended by my last tweet where it wasn't quite as specific as I, as I thought it was or, or, or something that I thought was obviously a joke was taken literally. And I go, well, no, actually, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not racist. But right, look, let, let me explain. The, the last, the last two weeks I've been called out for being a racist, uh, an anti-Semite and being transphobic. I am, I'm none of those things. I'm none of those things. Yeah, at all, yeah. but I've been called out for all of them, and I've had to go and explain. No, we're, you just we're, dig we're, a hole, don't oh, you? It, it, gets just, it worse just gets worse and, and worse. worse. But you speak—I mean, you speak really openly about your 
mental health. Yes. And actually, that's a really nice segue into what I wanted to ask oh. you further down the line, actually, when I wrote some questions and then forgot them. Oh, you forgot them? I forgot when them. you came in and said, oh, I've got no notes, I thought, oh, she's good. <laughs> she's good. You forgot them. No, but often I write them and then never refer to them either, <laughs> so they're just a crutch. One of the things I wanted to ask you about your mental health yes. was I saw online somewhere, probably on Twitter, somewhere I've been stalking you, that you read Matt Haig's Reasons to Stay Alive. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? And he talks a lot about travel in that and how travel has really helped him with his mental health which i think is very interesting because if you're anxious in the first place it's yep. quite i mean i used to have a little bit of it and i used to really struggle with getting on a plane mm. i get on it anyway but he talks about how travel has sort of helped him with his mental health now yeah. i know you've been again some online stalking to quite a few places yes do you find it helps you hinders you what does it do for you that's a really good question if i'm going traveling on my own which i've only done a few times i really i struggle because I will sit in my hotel room overwhelmed, just overwhelmed, going, right, well, I'm in New York. I'm just going to watch the TV for a few hours. And I will watch the TV for, for a few hours. And I think, Jesus, man, you're in New York. Go out go out and do something. You know, ask people. On, last time I was there on my own, ask people. On, I'm in New York. I wasn't quite expecting it to go this way. I went to New York to see the Monkees in concert. And then they cancelled because one of them had a heart attack. How selfish. And so I suddenly had four days without anything to do. And the plans were gone. And I went on Twitter. One of the good things of Twitter and said, I'm in New York. I, I don't want to do all the touristy stuff. What suggestions have you got? And people came up with some really cool stuff, and I went out, I picked the best ones, and I went and did it. Does it help my mental health? Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, yes, is the short answer, because you're out, you're somewhere else, the weather is different, people are different, food is different, the environment is different. But the thing I've learned is you can't, you can't go abroad to run away, because... Wherever you go, that's where you are. It's always there. Your 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 head is always there, and you might have a couple of days of hey, yeah, I'm I'm having a great time, and then you go, oh yeah, I'm I'm still nuts, and the thing that was depressing me is within me, so that has come with me as well. And you can't escape yourself anymore, but you could never escape yourself. But you can't escape your world anymore, which is no. in a good way because you can be somewhere solo traveling, and actually you've still got your phone. Yeah, you've still got your zillions of followers in your case you've still got the people that you communicate with if you want it yeah which is a help and a hindrance is it right in that instance in new york it was a help because i, I just couldn't find anything anything to do in new york that that's not true but but I, I nothing i couldn't find anything that excited me and i had these days free and i went on twitter and straight away someone said right well there's a frank sinatra tribute concert five blocks away from you right i'm having that then people just i can't even remember what they recommended there was another concert there were a couple of shows and it was like oh okay fine and i worked through them and i went and did all these amazing amazing things and i think when i'm abroad i will go and do things that i would not you know it's still you know being in new york it's very similar to london but i will go and take a chance on seeing a film that i've never seen heard of before or, or go and see a band that i haven't heard of before and in london i won't do that but the converse is when i went i did i did i, I get embarrassed mentioning this but someone i was talking to me about it today so it's in my head i did i'm a celebrity get me out of here right and one of the greatest things about it was the second i landed in australia i was in the jungle for three weeks and i was in australia before that in lockdown for maybe 10 days right the second i landed down they allowed me to make one phone call then they took my phone and they took my computer off me they checked me into a hotel that i wasn't allowed to leave they cancelled the internet in the room and they cancelled i couldn't phone out of the room and the first two days, I'm going nuts. Going, I'm missing my kids and thinking what's happening and blah, blah, blah. 
And day three, man, I was zen. I was zen. I was, I was reading books. I was watching films all the way through without even thinking about it. And I was thinking, well, if, if anything happens to my kids, I'll find out that someone will tell me, you know. So I have to assume they're all right. So it was nice being thousands of miles away from anywhere and disconnected. Why do they do that? So they do that for several days in your room before you yeah. go in. Is it some sort of anti-decompression chamber? They did it for me because I was going in late. And so they didn't want me to know who else had gone in, right? So they kept... So I, I landed there on a, on a Monday, and I was going in the Thursday of the next week, right? And they do it so you don't... You can't read anything about what's happening. You, you can't phone up your family, and they go, oh, by the way, such and such is in. So you're isolated. And then, the day before I went in, the producers came into my hotel room and said, right, we're going to tell you who's in there. I mean, what? We're going to tell you who's in there because the person who's going in with you left England late and they saw the first episode so they know who's in there already I said right sorry you've, you've had me without a phone or a computer for 10 days and not been able to speak to my kids to stop me from knowing this information and you're telling me now they went yeah so it was a waste of time 10 days 10 days 10 days and did, did you let were you let out of your room for the first week I was not allowed off the hotel grounds, had to stay in the grounds. Then after the first week, everybody went into the jungle, and so it was safe for me to go to the city. I don't remember what city it was. And then I was kind of allowed out, but I had a chaperone who would Because people who was could with speak me. to you and come and speak to people you. People would speak to me. So I had a chaperone who was, was with me and was not allowed. We had separate rooms, but, but if I was leaving the hotel, I had to get her to come with me and escort me. That is so uh, weird. How nuts. was that for your mental health? It was... It was nuts. It was nuts, actually. I didn't get on with the first chaperone. I think I, I think she found me boring, because I would just sit there and read and listen to my iPod. I thought it was a great chance to catch up on books and some podcasts. It was, for my mental health, that was all right. I mean, going in the jungle for my mental health was a nightmare. That was insane. It was stupid, stupid thing to do, you know. But I faked the psych test. I faked the psych test. I, I, you know, if you've ever seen a psychiatrist or a doctor... You, you know what to say to a doctor to get the pills you want or to get them to sign something off. So my psych test, and this is kind of relevant with, you know, everything that's happening with Love Island, and, and there's been a lot of, uh, Jeremy Carl, there's been a lot of focus put on, 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 we'll talk about travel in a minute, but there's a lot of focus it, put on... Is this travel? Oh, is it? Okay, Australia. Good. It is Australia. <laughs> so, you know, too many people have taken their own lives after being on Kyle or, or Love Island and stuff like that. And I totally get it. I totally get why. My psych interviews... I think I did it on the phone. Don't think I even met her. I've had my own psychiatrist who I went in and he said, do you think you're, good at, you're up for it? I said, yeah. I said, I think I am. He went, OK, I, I, I kind of think you are. And But the, the, when I spoke to, to, to their psych, the show psych, I just, I just said what I knew she wanted. Say, are, are you feeling, feeling suicidal? Have you felt suicidal recently? No. Of course I had. No. OK, do you fantasise about taking drugs? No. All the time. Of course, of course all the time. I mean, it's 13 years clean, clean at that point. But no, of course not. I didn't mean. So I said what I needed, I needed sex. I needed the job. I needed, I needed the job. I needed was that the, why you did it? You wanted the money? I did it because I was getting divorced. That's it. They'd asked me four times before. I'd always said no. I thought but it's, uh, it's handy to have that one in my back pocket in case. But no, I'm not interested. And then I got divorced and I needed a big check so I could get a deposit for a house there were three things there was the money there was the fact that my kids who were six and eight at the time had never really seen me on tv and I thought oh this would be good for them to know kind of what I used to do 
and they'll love seeing me covered in spiders and stuff like that. And I did it to plug the radio show, you know, because d d no one was listening to talk radio at the time. Here was a chance to go in front of 12 million people and say, hey, you, some of you might remember me, some of you might not, but I do a radio show and I think you might like it. Come and check it out. And so it really that's why I did it. Does it really work? Oh, it really? works, yeah, yeah. Front page of all the newspapers. Front page of the papers, and, man. Yeah. Is that weird? Yeah, it was... It was well, it was nuts because you don't know anything. You don't know anything. And I nearly walked out twice. I nearly walked out after three days because after the initial adrenaline rush of, of going in, there was a huge crash after I did a challenge, a swimming challenge. I couldn't do because I can't swim very well. They say to you, can you swim? And I'm like, yeah, because I can swim, but I can't swim underwater. And when I saw it as one that you had to go three metres underwater, I was like, oh, jeez. I just knew I couldn't do it, but I had to go. But so I came crashing down after that, and I said, I'm going to leave. And they sort of talked me out after that. I think I met the site then, and she sort of told me off. Said, if you leave now, you're going to be letting down your family. Is that kind of vibe? I was like, well, this is I'm a not bit. sure if that's good for you or yeah, the best thing to be doing. But it was the best thing for the show, for yeah, them. Yeah, I thought, this is a little bit. You really let yourself down here. Yeah, it was that. This is a chance of a lifetime, and if you walk out and it... Thinking, You'll be nothing. Okay. Leave me now. You Didn't quite nothing. say that, but it was it was not far <laughs> off. And then the second time was was later on. I was getting intimidated by a couple of people in there because they were assholes, and I'd I'd eaten some strawberries. And it's I, the small things like that that really count when you're <sighs> starving and you haven't had you know proper food because you'd eaten the strawberries. Stole right. some strawberries because yeah. it was funny, and um, and I was going to leave. And there was one of the lovely producers, a woman called Laura. She was one of the voices you would hear in the in the whatever it is the the I used to call it the diary room, but I get told off for that. <laughs> and she they don't tell you anything but she would say but imagine why do you want to leave ah because i hate it and everyone hates me and everyone in here hates me and everyone out there hates me but imagine if everyone outside doesn't hate you imagine just imagine that everyone out there has got a lot of affection for you and maybe maybe large numbers of people are rooting for you to do well basically telling me what was going on but of course not saying this is what not saying you've kind of won the hearts of, na of the nation by crying and stealing some strawberries you know people are really on your side not saying that it was some experience man would you ever do it i don't think anyone's ever going to ask me but I, I don't think i could turn it down what would freak me out and i've been to like it's all right in the daytime yeah but i've been to resorts where you stay in like an, on a beautiful fijian island and you stay in like a hut you know yeah, and yeah. it looks amazing you arrive in the daytime there's coconuts you know lazily fanning themselves overhead maybe coconut palms rather than the coconuts and um it looks amazing that's <laughs> yeah. so weird i've got these fanning coconuts fanning themselves <laughs> wow you need to go to these resorts yes ma and then at night time you know it's when it starts to come alive mm. and there's bugs and there's noises yep. and there's darkness and there's scary things and I, i'm bad enough when i go to like the countryside in england at that yep. time let alone in the middle of the jungle the worst thing was getting up and going for a wee in the middle of the night that was that was i'd that rather was... wet myself yeah yeah it's not good to do in front of millions of people it's not either, i, I came close to it I, I i but yeah it was not that was not pleasant but it is, it's an, you know, it's a unique experience, man. It's, I think I'd probably trip. go in for the weight loss. I like the idea of the sort of the starvation. I lost a stone and diet. a half. Yeah. Stone and a half. And then you, you put it, as soon as you come out, you're not that, I mean, I ate quite well in there. But, but on the last, because it I got... the strawberries, wasn't it? The strawberries. Because I got to the last three, you get to choose like your dream meal. So I had a, I had a roast dinner and, and like cheese board and milkshakes and all of this stuff. But to earn that roast dinner, I'd have to do the eating challenge. When I ate a pig's vagina, <laughs> the worst one was camel brains. That was, even when I think about it now... I can feel it in the back of my throat. But why was the camel brain swear? Because it was quite big. Vagina? Pig's vagina was tiny and it was chewy and salty, but that was it. 
Nom, 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 nom. It's gone. <laughs> the camel brain was actually quite big, about the size of a fist, a little bit smaller than my, the size of my fist. And it was gelatinous. It was kind of like a sort of meaty jelly. Uh, you chew it, and it just wouldn't break down in your mouth. And you, you chew and think, I'm chewing this, and it's still the same amount. And you're not allowed to drink water while you do it. You can only drink once your mouth is empty. So there was that. There was uh, scorpions I had to eat, and they tasted like just like imagine a big bag of fingernails you've got to eat those but the eating was easy when I walked out and saw it was eating she didn't know what trial you were going to get I was like alright I can do this this I can do it's not high up it's not underwater eating I can do this and I can make this funny but it meant that I felt sick for the rest of the day just like low, I needed, it wanted to vomit and I couldn't make myself vomit and they said if you want to go and puke do it and I had my fingers down my throat and I couldn't bring it up do you think you psychologically felt sick or actually felt sick oh, because no, I, of I'd eat a pig's fanny in a camel's brain. <laughs> of course I felt sick. Yeah, it wasn't it psychological. Wasn't. Surely it's just like eating a cow's liver or something like that. Really. Uh, no, it was, it was, uh, it was, there was a lot of it. There were, t- there were two milk... Sh- no, there was a milkshake. The milkshake was like worms and cockroaches, I think, and stuff. And that was easy, because you just think, oh, it's a smoothie, I'm, it's a smoothie, and you do it in one. You just open your throat and do it in one. It's a smoothie, it's a smoothie. It's a, you don't even taste it. It just goes down. But it was very filling, and it did. I felt sick and uncomfortable, so I didn't enjoy them. When the meal came, oh, shit, it's a roast dinner, roast potatoes and lamb, and I, That I came can't. after you'd done the trial, that so was, you're already So I had the trial in the morning, the trial at lunchtime, and then, then the meal in the evening. Oh, that's but not very good. No. Surely the next day would have been better. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Uh, that would bother me, actually, from a moral point of view. I don't like the idea of the live bugs being eaten. I didn't eat any live bugs. If you're a vegetarian, which I was when they first interviewed me for it, and I'm not now, but they won't give you bugs. They'll give you, they'll give you like horrible vegetables, like a vomit fruit i think it's called and stuff oh it's um they have it in singapore it's the durian fruit right okay i've sampled a little bit tasty uh, it doesn't taste as bad as it smells is it's the it, smell it is the thing is it yeah. right but the interesting thing about that is that people in singapore when you say like why why do you eat this vomit fruit and they go well, why do you eat like moldy cheese yeah you with, go. like blue bits in yeah. it it's so moldy it's gone blue yeah. it's like cow's breast milk you're like okay when you put it like that i, was, I blew my kid's mind the other day by going you know cheese is just mold what it's just mould. What do you mean? From the milk of the breasts of yeah, cows. Yeah, it's mould. Ah, oh, it's disgusting! Do, do you know what? I have no argument for the ethical thing. I agree with you using a- a- animals and insects and stuff for entertainment. Is thing. I can say that all of the animals and creatures I saw were treated... You know, there are handlers waiting offset, particularly with, with the big spiders. There were always handlers just out of shot ready to take them. But, yeah, there were... I, I, do you know what? Actually, I don't care about the ants. The ants can... can excuse my language, fuck off. I, I hope they all died. The fire ants, because they're just, like, biting you, and then and then they'll... You have, whenever we have to do something... When, whenever they said, right, you're going to go down to the trial area and you're going to need to wear shorts, you go, oh, man, it's ants. It's going to be ants. Because the ants would then just come up and just bite your balls. Like that film. Do you remember there was a film with ants years ago and there's people oh. in, like, a high-rise building and they end up, like, just breathing out of loo rolls? Isn't that... Is that not um, a creep show? I don't know. It was a film, like, in the 70s or 80s. Well, there's, there's Creepshow, which is like a, an anthology. Is that the same film that's also got Ted Danson, who gets drowned and becomes back as a zombie? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember Ted okay. Danson as a zombie. It might well be. I, I, I sus- just remember the ants. I was very young, and I, the ants made an impression I suspect there's going to be a lot of films with ants in from the 70s. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't there know. are a lot of films with killer bees in. Killer bees, yeah. I can remember two, actually. There's one... Where a guy had to drive into a football stadium and I don't and had to turn the air conditioning to cold to kill the ants, and there was another one with Michael Caine 
One was called Swarm, if you want to check I, that out. I think out. I saw Swarm. Swarm. Is that bees? Bees, I think. Oh, I think... Are they the people that, at the end, sitting in an apartment block... Drink, <laughs> I don't uh, know! Drinking... Not drinking. Drinking. Breathing out of... Um, of tunnelly things. So we're, you're in Australia, and that yes. was only like a year and a half ago. Yeah. I saw recently online that you went to Marrakesh on your own. Oh, it was again. rubbish. But you're brave enough to go on your own, which is great. But why was like, I tell you why I went? I went to Marrakesh. This was like a real. This was when um, I'd moved out of. This is sort of the marriage. I'd moved out of the marital home when I was low. I was really low, and I was living in a tiny little bedsit. Um, just, just while everything was getting just, you know, sorted out, and I, and I was just felt lousy. I thought, I'm going, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. And it was literally, I'm going to go to Marrakesh. And there was no, you know, there's no thinking beyond the, the Crosby, Stills and Nash song. And so I booked a trip to Marrakesh, and I hated almost every single second of it. Why? Because it wasn't like they told me in the song. There were no striped jalebas I could wear at home. There was nothing... There was no, it was nothing like they said in the song, right? And when I got... It was got, quite a while, a while ago. Yeah. And when I got there, and I booked a, a, like a hotel, and I got there, and we got met at the airport by these slightly dodgy people, and we got taken to Marrakesh. And I got, we got this, like, one o'clock in the morning, and me and this girl got taken to the hotel, and she got found a room, and I could see these blokes talking, and... They'd obviously got rid of my room because I, I think they thought I was coming earlier in the day and I hadn't shown up. So they, they got, said, oh, we're going to take you to another hotel. Like, OK, all right. And they took me to a hotel and it was horrible. And I was just sat in this room and it was like a cell. And I stayed there for two nights, <laughs> sucking it up. And, um, Did I, you leave the room? I left the room, but, but re- it was horrible. And I would, because I'm like an idiot, I would go, oh, thanks, this is great, thanks. But fuming, fuming. And after the second night, I just packed my stuff up. This is how silly I am, right? I should have said, this isn't the hotel I booked. I want my money back. I'm going. Right. Instead, what I did is I packed up my stuff. And to get out of the hotel, you had to walk past the man that run it, who I'd said, this is great, thanks. So I packed my stuff up, and I was there for 10 minutes going, right, I'm just going to walk out. I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to take my stuff, and I'm just going to... I'm taking my stuff, and I walked out. And I had to psych myself up. I walked out, and the guy said, you going? I said, yeah. And he said, why are you going? I said, because this, this hotel is not the hotel I booked and I'm really disappointed did you cry <laughs> I didn't cry but I got and he said are you coming back later so I'm never coming back to this place it's horrible <laughs> and so then I went and booked did you actually say that though? yeah I did, did I, I said it well, I said that well, did it feel good I felt really silly as I walked away I thought why don't I just tell him why don't I just say this isn't the hotel I booked you and stitched me up and it's shit I didn't so then I went and sat in a coffee shop and I booked another hotel and then I just I just, just sat there in Marrakesh. All I, could, all I did was drink coffee. I, drink, I did a hot air balloon. That was amazing. That was a hot air balloon at dawn. That was incredible, and that was, that was well worth it. But all I did was just drink coffee and go from one coffee shop to the next. bought a giant roll of sellotape, actually, which I've, I've never seen. <laughs> honestly, it's a huge roll of sellotape. Massive. Saw it for in the any market. reason, did you need it for No, I just walked past it. My, that sellotape is huge. I've never seen anything like it. You weren't going to go back to your room and sort of... Take no, no, I wasn't going to do that. But I've never seen anything orange. like it. I'll send you a picture of the sellotape. Okay. <laughs> it's incredible. And I got the usual 
I tried to find a, like a church or a mosque or something, and I couldn't find it. And then, you know, some guy said, oh, no, that's closed, but I know where there's a better mosque. Oh, yeah, they always do. Right, OK. And I, I'm so stupid. I went, OK, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, it's this way. Come down here. Before we go there, come and have a look in this pharmacy. This pharmacy is great. Have a look. And he introduced me to the guy. This is the guy that runs it. Hey, this is my friend. This is Mr. Mr. Ian. This is my... He, and I was thinking, oh, no... It's India and my honeymoon all over say, again. It's India, yeah. Um, down alleys and, and so one I, shop. Yes. In Bangkok. One shop, just one shop. Just one shop. And so I, I politely looked around and, and then I, I just, I was so pissed off. I went, do you know what? I'm out of here. Bye. And I walked out and the guy was still this. Oh, you're leaving, you're leaving. Come on, I'll take you to. I said, mate, fuck off. <laughs> I, I did. I turned into did my dad. Did you really? Yeah, did I did. I did at that point. I turned to my dad and I went, mate, fuck off. <laughs> and yeah. it, it was, it was, I didn't really enjoy it. I wasn't, my head wasn't in the, in the right place. It was where I found out I was doing the jungle. I got the phone call that, uh, while I was there saying, y- you're in. So that was great. But I kept. I got a feeling I stayed in three hotels because I don't think the second one was very good either. I'd buy cheap, buy twice, you see. And so I would go on Expedia and get like a cheap hotel and rock up and go, this isn't very nice. Wonder why. Well, exactly. You so can afford better. I can days. afford better. Well, so the, the, kind of, the, third right one, the third one was all right. Um, but I, I, bu- I booked a flight. To, I couldn't change my flight, so I booked a flight to come home a day earlier. And then the next day I went, oh, I'm just, I'm not digging this. I booked a flight to go home that day. So I, I paid for for two extra flights and three hotels. But you got the best sellotape in the world and have you Huge cracked thing. it open? Have you no, used it? No, you're gonna I will that. not use that sellotape. That is that is gonna be passed on to my kids. Do you know weirdly, when I was in Florence I bought a hole, hole punch. I, I, I said there was nothing special about this yeah. hole punch. It wasn't like an oversized one. Yeah. It's not like, you know, those people Stationary. that go around taking like uh, big pictures of massive plastic prawns and plastic sea food that is on buildings yeah yeah do you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah i know exactly what you're talking um, about um it was just a normal hole punch but i thought i have a hole punch and i bought this hole punch in florence and i took it around like the whole city for three days with me and then i started to take photos of it in prominent places beautiful. so up at the beautiful palace at the top of the hill where the gardens in fact this is my screensaver yeah i've got a lovely <laughs> sunset picture of this hole punch with the view of Florence behind oh, it. Oh, that's fantastic. It is. Stationary abroad. <laughs> I, I went to Marrakesh because I wanted to do some writing. I wanted to write. I wanted to sort my head out a bit, and it didn't work. And that, actually, that point, being on my own, was, was a hindrance. If I've had someone there to just kind of talk me off the ledge a little bit and say, right, well, this today, look, why don't we go and do this? Yeah, sure, fine. Going around and seeing kind of old buildings on my own, I, at, at that point in my life was not the best i've spoken cool about idea. this with quite a lot of adventurers that i have yeah. on the podcast i mean i have people that like climb everest mind you everyone climbs everest these days you see I? the picture I, of I the queue the queue yeah that's insane i thought it was a joke insane. when i read the headline no, and real. there's a picture it's really it's very weird instagram has done that to a lot of places is so is everest easier to climb than it was 100 years ago or are we better at climbing have we evolved as climbers well i'm never going to climb everest because i'm a serial holidayer i'm not an adventurer right but in my opinion, I think that our technology has got better. So that in terms GPS of the coat, yeah, coats. but no, but also what you're wearing yeah. and, the, and the climbing equipment and that sort of thing, and it's got more popular, hasn't it? Yeah. It seems that it, you don't. I'm obviously, I don't want to belittle it because I'm sure it's quite difficult, and I'm certainly never Everest. have no. They've got know, ladders in some bits of it, have they? Yeah, they got lifts. They haven't got lifts yet. You should get some lifts when they've got lifts. Get a stanner. I will go. I will stanner stairs. I would. I would pay top go. dollar for a stanner ride up Everest. Some yeah. of the adventurers I speak to 
are actually even even authors. I had a guy called William Sutcliffe. I don't know if you remember in the 90s, there was a book called Are You Experienced? Oh, yeah. And it was about, like the wankers that go travelling. Yes, you know, yes. When they're 18 or something. And it was a brilliant, it was the funniest book. And I had him on a few weeks ago and I, I remembered this book from 20 years ago. It was yeah. so good. And one of the, the, the scenes is in it is him having, like, he's in real hardship. You know, he's on a beach. Well, it wasn't, it was only semi-autobiographical. It wasn't yeah. really him. His character is on a beach. He's lost his girlfriend. He's shat his pants in a hostel. Uh, and, well, you know, yeah. those sort of things happen. And we were discussing, like, how hardship when you travel actually sometimes, you know, as long as nobody's died, sometimes yeah. it makes it that little bit more memorable. But no, maybe not no. when you're just on a short weekend no. in America. I don't want hardship. I've done hardship. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't like camping. I don't... I've only hostelled once. This was... It would have been 10, 11 years ago. Me and my wife, we went to Japan and we stayed in a hotel in Tokyo, then Osaka and Kyoto, and then we went to an island called Miyajima, which is amazing. And then there was a festival just kind of north of Hiroshima that we really wanted to go to, because I read it was just this tiny little town, but it was this incredible festival that, that, only, that was only happened over a two-day period, and it was people came from all over Japan to see it. I was like, oh, we'll go to that. But all the hotels were booked out, and so we had to stay in a Buddhist temple for three nights and I thought oh, this would be wicked man this would be a bit like monkey magic get, you know get a nice Buddhist vibe I speak to the, the Buddhist monk about Buddhism it was horrible it was just it was just horrible you had to share showers oh it's disgusting well like at the same time not quite at the same time but you just think and we oh it was horrible you could hear people having sex the monk was this American guy called Woody, and he was miserable. That's not what you want from a monk. And I go, so, Woody, um, how did you become a Buddhist? Uh, just, just, just got into it and moved to Japan. Okay, great, Woody. Great, great chat with you. I actually had a row with a French guy about how to cook a jacket potato. How, what did he say? What? Well, my thing was you, you put it in the, the oven and you just cook it. Yeah. And he went, oh, no. You. I don't even remember what he said because I had such disregard for his stupid Gallic ways. And I, remember, I was getting really angry. And um, my wife was going, just, just calm down. I was going, no, this guy's being a dick. He's telling me how to cook a jacket potato. I know how to cook a jacket potato. Arrogant. Well, I'm guessing tosser. he was French. I'm guessing a microwave wasn't involved. No, I mean, I only now, only recently have I started using microwaves for jacket potatoes. But that was my only experience with, with hostelling. Never again. So Never you again. didn't do the whole travel thing when you were, like, finished. Did you go to university? I went to university. Didn't do the travel thing. I didn't, didn't go into railing. I didn't do the travel thing. My kind of big travel thing after leaving university was about a year after, and I went and worked in Pakistan for three months. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That was nuts. Why? And what happened? My dad... I kind of hadn't really spoken to my dad for a long time. You're getting all the dirt. I'd fallen out of my dad. I do this. And you're clever. I like it. And he worked in TV and film. He worked as a props master. He was in charge of getting all the props of films. And in an attempt to kind of rebuild our relationship, he said, I'm going to go and work in Pakistan for three months. Do you want to come and work as part of my crew? And I went, yeah, sure. All right, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. All grumpily because I didn't really like him. Yeah, I'll do it. Whatever. So I went to Pakistan for three months when I was 24 now that was hardship, and we were yes, all right. We were staying in the Pearl Continental Hotel, so it was a luxury hotel. Okay, it was a luxury hotel. Sounds like real hardship. It was a luxury hotel, but it was it was very hot. <laughs> it was very hot. You'd be you'd be on set at seven in the morning, just sweat, just pouring off your face. You think, oh god, we were getting bomb threats every single day. Suicide. This is before we even really knew about suicide bombers. So every day, the front page of the paper would say would would have 
they did one one day. I remember they did. A, I wish I'd kept this. A whole page of people had, had texted in saying what they thought about this film because it's a very controversial film. It's about um, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, right? Kind of a very important person to them during partition, and it was being played by Christopher Lee. So they were angry it was being played by a white guy who does actually look like him, but also they were more upset it was being played by Dracula, <laughs> and so the, they were furious. And so the front page of this paper was. I am a member of the Pakistan army. If I had the chance, I would sacrifice my life and drive a lorry load of explosives into this film crew. And we're reading this and kind of laughing because we didn't really know about suicide bombers then, right? Now we'd be like, shit. It was some experience, man. It didn't really rebuild a relationship with my dad at all. In fact, it made it worse and it was, it was very, very tense. But the, the, we, we had working, doing security for us with the Pakistani police who were totally inept and totally bent. Um, in the sense of being corrupt there was one scene where it was two different factions were having a fight in the street and the extras were the police and the army right who hate each other politically in Pakistan I don't know the story they hate each other and it was really tense and at some point in the filming of this riot it kicked off someone fired a live gun and then they just 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 going for it and my dad grabbed me and said, leave everything, get in the van, I'll see you back at the hotel. And that was it, and everyone just, just pegged it out of there, and there was a fight, you know, it was a proper fight with guns involved. Oh my God, you're like, this is not my gap year experience. This was terrifying! I mean, it was, it was thrilling, it, but it was, it was terrifying, you know. But I had a great... I love Pakistan. I'd like to go back, but I'm scared, if I'm honest. I, re- I, met, I met some really cool people there that I, I lost touch with. And I would like to get in touch with them. That uh, should be quite not easy, but you we know, should with be easy social now. Media, the internet. I, I've got the thing is I need to. There's, 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 I've, I haven't got their full names, and there's a, I've got a call sheet around somewhere that has got their names, and I should dig it out. In fact, having this chat has inspired me to to, 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 to go and dig out that call sheet if I can find it, find I, them. But I love Pakistan. I've never been actually. I've been to India several times, and my family are from my dad's family are Indian Fijians. Right. But I've had this really incredible experience in the last week where I've been for two days, for two whole days, I've been recording with Lady Pamela Hicks, who is the daughter of Mountbatten. Okay. Who was the last viceroy, amongst oh, many other things, yeah. the last viceroy Yeah, it's a very controversial India. figure, yeah, and of he course. he was there for partition. Yeah. He oversaw partition. She's 90. And wow. she's heard, her what daughter is India Hicks, who's a sort of socialite and designer and everything. And we've had this incredibly intense experience where I'm recording a podcast for her. She doesn't talk to the media. She doesn't want to wow. talk, but for some reason she's chosen me to do this podcast. So I've sat for three hours each day or three hours of worth of recording so a lot more time sort of sitting and chatting talking about the experience she had when she went to india God, she was quite a young girl and that. her mum was a very in, in, a very interesting character she had affairs left right and center all over the place including with neru oh her mum of course yes. her mum was um was played by mariah aitkin jonathan jonathan aitkin's wife in the film That's right. yeah she was she was um uh, yes yeah, there was a lot of that going on with neru yeah totally That's, they were lovers yeah yes well although lady Pamela wasn't very sure. I don't think she prote- she wouldn't protect her mum for like talking about her lovers because she talks about lots of them because she you know yeah. she sounded like quite a girl so she's kind of like great love. She spent a lot of time in the refugee camps. They invited Indian people into the viceroy's house yeah. and you know at the, literally and metaphorically to the table for the first time. So they did a lot wow. of, a lot of good. You know they weren't just these colonials as well. Although obviously yeah. there's something involved. Well they in did that. a lot of good. Really but uh, Pakistan got the short end of the wedge with with the whole partition thing and they you know they kind of right you got this crappy little bit up here you got i can't remember how long it was it was a month or it was three months or something to get all, all the muslims up there 
You got there. Yes, crazy. And India, you got all of this. I mean, but, but neither neither came out particularly well. You know, I don't play poverty top trumps, but 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 of a very thin wedge, Pakistan got the thinnest bit of it. I'd love to hear that though. I bet yeah, that's well, fascinating. Yeah, we're, we're working on it at the moment. I'm going up to to record another session. Oh. The next session we're talking about is she was on the 1953 Commonwealth tour with the Queen <laughs> as her lady in waiting, <laughs> and she was there when the Queen was told her father had died. Do you remember? You probably wow. seen the Crown, but yeah. you know she was up. A in a treehouse in yeah. Africa somewhere and found out and she was Lady Pamela with her so it's, it's really Jeez. fascinating I can't wait to edit it and get it out there that's proper that's proper living history that's yeah, great well done you yeah. you know some of her stories she stayed with the Vanderbilts in New York in the middle of the war or, you know, next to oh, the wow. uh, Central oh let Park me know when that's out I will absolutely anyway we're talking about you and not them where should, where should we go next Pakistan where should we go after that let's go luxury yeah I always like a bit of luxury Maldives yes oh amazing oh God, I, I mean amazing. I did it I've done it twice, and the, the last time it was with the, with the, my honeymoon. The first half was India, and the second half was the Maldives. Oh, you needed that to recover from India because India is really fascinating and interesting and lovely, but it's yeah, hard work. It's as intense. Well, isn't it? It's intense. I didn't. I, I didn't really enjoy India. I didn't really enjoy it because I was just. I just. I just. I just focused on the poverty, you know, and it's just like. It was, you know, I don't know, white man guilt or whatever it was, but I just it felt uncomfortable going, hey, are we here to celebrate? And these these kids are dancing around us because we're giving them a plastic pen, you know. Anyway, the Maldives, the, the second time we went, I'm never very good. I, I book holidays myself, and I'm never very good. I never know quite what I've booked. And so we got, and there's loads of different islands in the Maldives, and we got on this tiny little plane, me and my wife, and a couple of other, like, a couple of other couples... The other couples are very loud. Do you know what? I think you know what I'm saying, but they're very loud. They were rambunctious. They were not the sort of people I would like to. No, and I was thinking, oh, I was thinking, oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? And the plane landed, and we got off, and we were met by this, this guide, and it took us to a jetty, and he said, right, we're all going go to go to that boat over there. And he said, except for you two, you're on that boat over there. Oh, thank God they turned right, we turned left. And it was me and my wife, and we got on this boat, luxury boat, on our own. We were driven to an island. We were met by a butler. We had a butler! I didn't know we booked a butler. This guy called Bockery. And he would phone up every morning. Hello, butler Bockery, what would you like to do today? And we were embarrassed, because we go, nothing. Just, just want to sit in a hammock and read. And we, um, we might go for a ride on the bicycles later. Okay. The, be the best afternoon was spent playing pool with Bockery because we felt we've not really done anything with him. So let's go. On, let's ask him if he wants to come and play pool with us. So he played pool, but it was just—I mean, ridiculous. I mean, it was so expensive. Wonderful. We had bicycles to ride around in. Greeted by a glass of champagne. I wasn't drinking at the time, but this amazing beachside apartment with an outside shower and it's this huge apartment and you've got your own private bit of beach and then you could go you could look through the menu of what spa treatments do you want to have today well, wouldn't do for one of those right now. oh mate and you was it one of those ones we went and had a massage side by side and you're on the table and it's glass underneath you and you can see the sea oh my god it wasn't called the island hideaway was it yeah i think it was i think i've been to the same resort I think it was. Was there a lot of mosquitoes? There were a lot of mosquitoes. Yeah. They would fire off smoke pellets yes, like all the time. I think I've been there was to a the giant bat. I don't remember a giant bat, but you cycle around the island. There's it's a, sort few, of a very eco one. There's an e it is. Uh, there's a few you cycle on, I think. But there's yeah, this was very, very eco. I've only been to two islands. 
<laughs> one one was amazing and it was called the Lily Beach Resort and it was just the best place I've ever been in my life and I didn't know I don't now I've got two young children I didn't know the meaning of needing relaxation yeah, then yeah, looking yeah. back yeah. I was very relaxed at the time I mean now I'd like you know I'd give my left arm to go and yeah. a, a Maldive beach you know it's uh, the the level of relaxation you have sort of pre-kids and post-kids is a completely different thing. oh it's so incredible relaxing sort of going to the toilet on your own right yeah so we had this amazing like luxury resort and then Island Hideaway which I went to <gasps> I've mentioned the name this is the one place that I've never spoken about on any of my travel reviews in the press it's the one place that i've i didn't do a review about yeah. because although it was amazing the mosquitoes i felt like i was dying the I mosquitoes really like were I incredible dying. i think it was the same and i place. wanted to leave and i can't believe i've mentioned the place because these people pay for me to go there whoa what wtf <laughs> right bleep them out tell me how i get that gig please i want that gig. I, can, could, I could get you that gig tomorrow get me that gig i came third and i'm a celebrity i can't blag anything these Seriously? days are they not throwing holidays at you i can't black a thing get me a holiday i, could, I could get you a holiday I'll could see you? You. yeah well you've come on my podcast i oh, can get you a holiday mate. in return get me a holiday you obviously you have to write it up i write it up I'll write, of course i write it up i do a radio show from there there you go yeah the, the there were a lot of mozzies i think um, it might be the same place i mean obviously a few of them have bikes and a few of them have the overwater spa the overwater spa that i remember was sort of it had a big curved. I think so. I think so. The, tea, the thing I remember about that holiday was we found out that we were having our first kids on that holiday. Did she? Yeah, because oh. we went. We were in India, and my wife said, "Shotgun wedding, I guess." My wife said, I, th- "I think I might be pregnant, but I don't know. I don't know. But it just I've not missed a period. I think just something feels not right. I don't think it's the food." So, so we're in the hotel in India, and we said, "Where, where can we get a pregnancy tester from?" And she's all right. If you go out of the hotel, go left, take the second right, and there'll be a shop there. We, 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 we took the left. We took the second right. It's some bloke's house. <laughs> it was a bloke's house. He's got a few crystals. Yeah, well, you know, something like sticking your ear. Something like that. He was like a pharmacist, and we knocked on the door, and he went, "Yeah." He said, "Can we, can we get pregnancy tested?" Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, I'll get you one. And we paid him. Well, I don't remember it. What it was it? Pennies. And we got one, and it, it came up positive. But we both went, yeah. "Nah, this is this is from a bloke's." house that is nonsense it might have come back negative actually i'm not sure i think it came back negative and then the next week when we went to the the maldives and uh, there's a doctor on on the island and we we booked in and we said we'd like to do a pregnancy test please and we found out that we were pregnant Aww, in the maldives that's really lovely, that's really lovely. luxury yeah. it was it was really really special and, and the people there made a fuss of us and they did a card and brought us a cake and um oh oh that's in the best the second best thing sorry son the, the second baby. best thing was because we didn't really use bockery. And, and, he, and one, one day, he, he phoned us up at like midday and said, uh, tonight, hello, Butler Bockery speaking. He would always say, Butler Bockery speaking. Such a nice lad. Such, such a nice man. Tonight, uh, I will meet you at 8 o'clock to take you for dinner. What? I will, I will collect you at 8 o'clock. All right, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. I think I know what you're going to say. On the beach. Yes, man. Yeah, right. lovely little place. He took us to the beach. Yeah. And he, and he, and he, I think I've had the same dinner incredible <laughs> isn't it it took us to the beach in the it's like completely dark it's just this clear sky and there are these sort of four canned or flaming ca- torches it's stuck in the ground and a table and we didn't know anything about it i mean my wife went fucking hell this is incredible and he served the meal 
and then he, he, he just he just disappeared. Then when just he sensed that we'd finished, he'd come back. And you had that as well. I think I did. But it's Magic, weird, isn't it? I don't know if it's a British thing. I love that sort of thing, but I also feel like you said with a butler, really awkward. About oh, so, it. Awkward. so awkward! It was so awkward. It was it was horrendously tense, and we couldn't relax for any of it. <laughs> but it was magical, really man. Magical. It was magical. So my last question is always about music. Yes. I know you're a big music fan. Yes. And I always think that music and travel go hand in oh, hand. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to ask you to choose one song that reminds you of a special time or place of travel. What would that one song be? Oh, that is a great one. Okay, it's a 30-second piece of music. It's Japanese. It's by a band called the Kurikoda Quartet. The Japanese name is Pitagora Soichi, which it means Pythagoras' switch. It's just this amazing bit of music. And I'll tell you why it's so special. They're one of my favourite bands. I had them on the sh- my radio show when I was at LBC on the phone, which is great because they don't really speak English. When we knew we were going to Japan, I just emailed their website and said, Hi, Jennifer, you came on my show. Me and my wife, girlfriend, wife at the time, we're going to be in Tokyo on these dates. Just wondered if you're doing any shows. Thought we'd get nothing back. A week later, we get an email back saying really bad English, Janglish they call it, thank you for coming to visit our Tokyo, we have put on a special concert for you, we would like you to be our special guests on Monday, la la la. What? And we went, and they put on, they put on a concert in a tiny club, I mean, they're kind of a cool cult band, tiny club, 250 people there, we were the guests of honour, they gave a speech about us, they played, afterwards they took us out for dinner, and then they said, tomorrow we come to your hotel at nine in the morning and we will be your tour guides. Amazing! And they took us, two of them and their manager, Shinomi, who's who's still a friend of mine, Shinomix, they took us around Tokyo all day and paid for everything they took us to the temples they took us to see traditional japanese stand-up which is done in like samurai garb it was incredible and so so anything by kurikoda quartet just just makes me japan is the friendliest place tokyo in particular is the friendliest place i've ever been to i can't afford to play music on the podcast but if there's any chance we can ask them see what you can do i am going to email the kurikoda quartet although there's only three of them now one of them left but they're still called the kurikoda quartet i will send them an email and see if they'll let us play it and if they don't well then up there's <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the big travel podcast oh uh, thank you that was fun i enjoyed it Thank you so much again, Ian. It was such fun to finally meet up in person and to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more fascinating life stories through travel. 